Summer went by way too fast. Does anybody, let's, let's try an amen to that. Come on. Every child right now is not sleeping anymore. Parents are rejoicing that God has moved and saw fit to have school for their children. I've seen it. It's wonderful. I love the change of seasons. It's going to be a good fall. Summer went by too fast, though. I will say that. Well, I've been in the pulpit here for a little while. I've been in many other places over the summer as well, but it's been a little while here. But I get to close out this series, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are today. And then next week, we're going to start in a little bit into our fall schedule. And uh, let me tell you that you're going to want to be here and be a part of it. There's going to be some things happening that you're not aware of today. And... Uh, some series that you're going to want to hear, some ways that you're going to want to lean into. Uh, God has something significant for each and every person that is here this morning. I really believe that. But we're going to get into our final story. This is my story, but it's actually, as you'll see, this is your story. And part of that flows out of the whole idea of this series was this is my story. Uh, and, and we were hearing all these incredible stories of how God moved in the lives of people. And uh, I want each of us this morning to hear the story of God for ourselves this morning, to not just listen for someone else, but to listen for perhaps in a way that God would want to speak to you, a way that God would want to lead you, a way that God would want to put you into a new place in your life so that your life can begin to be, continue to be, enlarging to be all that God has called you to be. Because let me tell you, if you're here this morning, that God absolutely has an incredible purpose for your life. That Jesus went to the cross, not because he had nothing else to do, but he went there to win back people to Jesus or to the Father so that we can come into the eternal purpose of God for our life. But um, I'm, see, that's when you haven't preached for a few weeks here. I'm just going, bah, I'm going off. But anybody remember when you used to actually make phone calls? I know some of you still do. These little, what I call a texting machine now, uh, when there used to be these days when you'd make phone calls, you'd have little pagers on your, on your uh, hip. People would go running r randomly because something vibrated. Uh, if we wanted to talk to my grandma, we really planned it out because that call cost a lot of money for those first three minutes. You had a list of things you got through. Uh, and if you didn't, you heard it from my dad who saw the phone bill. Who called here? It's her... But if you, this is a tip for, for free. If you marry a woman and take her away from your mom, you got to pay the phone bill. That's the way it is. I had to do that on Vancouver Island for a long, long time. So we brought her back here. It's cheaper, but not really. <laughs> but now there's all these many, many different ways that we communicate with texting and email and instant messaging and uh, FaceTime. And, and, and it's really, really interesting today that you can literally right now communicate face-to-face -face with someone across the world if they're connected on a smartphone. It's incredible. There's all kinds of ways to make calls. I know people, though, that hardly even take calls. I have one of my friends I called, and I was, he didn't answer, so I was going to leave a message. And it says something like this. This, if you leave a message, this is an unmonitored voicemail box, and you will not get a reply. If you want to actually hear from me, send me a text or or an email, the end. That was it. I, I basically, I don't want to talk to anybody. I really like him. He's still a good guy, but he does not take calls. Maybe 
I was going to say something, but I'll stay out of trouble. <laughs> we all have calls we like to ignore. This week we had a toddler in the office, and the door was wide open. He's about probably not quite two years old, and it was hot, and the door was open, and he ran over to the doorway, and I said, hey, he heard my call, and he stopped, and he looked at me. I said, stop, don't go outside, don't go out. He said, come on. He looks at me and runs out the door, <laughs> just like that. That's it. So some, sometimes we just ignore calls, and sometimes you receive a call that's a source of irritation. I've got this call that many of you, I'm sure, have. I don't know who that speaks Mandarin got my phone number and thinks I'm going to call him back. But they're calling me. I'm sure they're threatening me in Mandarin or some other language. But I'm like, I have no idea what you said. If I want something, call back in English. That's all I got. Sometimes you get a call that is a source of joy. Because my wife one time got a call that we had won a trip 4-4 to Disneyland. And it was a real call. She had entered something, actually won it. And the topic of discussion around our house is which kid was going to stay home. <laughs> Elena's like, not me, just because I'm the youngest. It's always me because I'm the youngest. And the others are like, it sounds good to me. Mom, Dad, she's staying. Grandma. Some calls are difficult to make, like when I called my father-in-law, who's since passed away, to ask for the hand of my wife in marriage. And I was expecting a fairly positive response. I've been around for a couple years by then. He says, what's in it for me? <laughs> I was like, I, I couldn't even come up with grandchildren or whatever. It's just like, I have no idea, sir, but I'll do my best. He's like, okay, I guess you can have her then. That's it. I had a call like that through a text in June where a, a young man asked if he could have coffee with me. And it ended up with yesterday, our middle daughter was engaged to be married, Annika, yesterday. But I don't make it easy. I don't make it easy. In June, we were doing Tough Mudder, and this guy who is now, I don't know what you, when you're, you're in like no man's land. You're not the boyfriend, you're not the husband. I don't know what to call him. He's just like Dalton. Okay, that's it. In June, we were at Tough Mudder, and that's like a 17-kilometer uh, race with obstacles and all kinds of things. Uh, I'm 48 years old, and I was like, if I can do that and not die, it is a good day. In fact, I quoted this scripture regularly to the whole team. It's out of Psalm 118. I will live and not die. I will live to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And they're like, this is not inspiring us, Pastor. It's for me. It's not for you. It's for me. But anyway, we were about 10, 11 kilometers in, and Dalton was feeling it. He's had some health issues, and not, uh, he's lost a bunch of weight, and so things were going on. But he's on the mend, so I thought, we're stopped. We're all, like, catching our breath. I said, I looked at him. I said, I don't know what your plans are, bud, but if you think you have any hope of me saying yes to you asking for Annika's hand in marriage, you better finish this race. <laughs> and he looked at me. He didn't know if I was... Kidding or not, I wasn't sure if I was either. I wanted to see. And, and uh, everybody else is kind of, <laughs> there's an awkward family moment. <laughs> so you're going to finish? And, he's, and he finished. The next day, I got a text. Can I see you for coffee? Monday morning, I went to Boothroyd Coffee Shop. I sit down. I bought the coffee like I always do. And he says to me, he said, so... 
since I finished the race. I was like, yeah, uh, that's fair. That's fair. They're fair is fair. That was a call I should have ignored. No, I'm kidding. It was a good day yesterday. It was fantastic. A uh, wonderful, wonderful day for our family and everything like that. There is another term when you stop getting calls from someone. All contact is stopped. All connection is stopped and could be an indication that they don't want to talk to you. It's called ghosting. I didn't know about this until I had some friends who did it to me. But there's a, there's a singer you might have heard called Drake who wrote a song called Hotline Bling where the main line is, you used to call me on your cell phone. Not no more. He's been ghosted. Sometimes you, people stop calling you. How you respond to a call will have a large effect on what you do next. Whether it's to irritate you, whether it's to add a son-in-law, whether it's to win a trip, whether it's to hear a story, make a new connection, how you respond to a call or whether you don't respond to a call will have an effect on what comes next. Many of us have made many different calls and sometimes it's an opportunity, sometimes we hear it with irritation, sometimes it's about a connection. But all of us are having calls constantly come to us. And it may not be an actual physical call where your phone rings or a text comes, but there are things that are always calling for our attention that call out to us to say, hey, I want some of your attention. I want some of your resource. I, I want some of who you are right now. It might not be a phone that rings, but it might be a stage of life that you're in. Maybe you're working like crazy and all you're doing is working and trying to get ahead and trying to find your way forward and, and your work is calling for you all the time. Maybe not literally, maybe literally, Sometimes it might be your university and you're trying to figure out what the next step is for your life and, and what's calling for you is what are you going to do? What is your future going to look like? And confusion and fear starts to call out your name. Some of us, it's a schedule that's new and crazy and it's calling us and putting us a demand on us. And for some of it's, it's volunteering that's calling your name. For some of you, it's marital issues that are calling your name. For, for whatever is calling your name and demanding your attention, how you respond to that call is going to make a difference in your future. All kinds of things are calling your name. But the calls you answer in your life will determine what's written in your life, in the story of your life. I don't know about you, but I wish there were some things that weren't written in my story. And we heard over this summer different stories of people, but there are parts of stories and times of our stories that we're really not happy with. Or there are things that have happened in, in the story of our life that we hope nobody ever finds out. We have Facebook and Instagram for the story that we want people to see. The rest of our life we hide somewhere away. And we try to show the world a somewhat sane and sanitized version of our story. And then on top of the usual challenges of life of parenting and, and work and finances and all the things that call for your attention, there are things that are in our stories that are incredibly powerfully painful and for some of you debilitating and for others of us that are just a constant source of irritation and tripping us up. They keep calling and interrupting your story and keep interjecting things into your story that you wish were not there, and they serve to haunt and stop our moving forward. 
Some of them are major things and some of them are irritants. For some, it's the abuse as a child that trauma keeps calling and interrupting what you hope your story would look like. Some of us, it's insecurity about who we are and what our future looks like and, and what, what's happening in our life and, and all the way that we think of ourselves and, and insecurity keeps calling and limiting you. For others, it's when someone died unexpectedly or maybe expectedly and, and the grief just keeps calling and calling and calling and, and you can't move forward because it keeps calling your name. For others of us, it's relational issues and struggles. Could be marriages, could be relationships with your parents or relationship with your kids or whatever relational issue might be, but the pain and the anger keeps calling and the frustration keeps calling and interrupting the story that you want to write for your life. For others, there's medical issues that come up and the prognosis of the doctor, a diagnosis that's frightening you and fear is calling your name in the middle of the night and saying, I don't know if you're going to make it. I don't know what your future holds. For others, it's addiction and mental health issues. Maybe that you suffer yourself and they call your name all the time and some days they call so loudly to say, stay in bed, that that's what you do. For others, the call is debilitating in a different way. It might be the call of just absolute hate for somebody in your life that is destroying your family because of the addiction issue that they're in. And you don't know any other way to put it, but I hate what's happening in my family, in my life, in my story right now. And you projected that onto someone else. And it calls your name. For others, it's simply no vision. And when you have no vision for your life, we live carelessly. We live without a drive and a destination and we live aimlessly and we look at and try to find our place and to try to write our story by pursuing money and pursuing things and pursuing maybe sexual relationships or eating overeating and food and we're trying to find something that will feel so that we can write the story that we want and the anxiety of what our life's about doesn't keep calling our name and when we're in moments like that or sometimes Endless, where the phone doesn't stop ringing. And it's calling us. It's hard sometimes to see what our story could really look like. Because maybe it feels like it's stalled. Or maybe it feels like there's so many bad pieces or difficult parts that the story is meant to just be timed out more than it is to be lived out. But your story is actually incredibly important. The story of your life is incredibly not only important, it's powerful when you allow God into your story. But many of us can come into a church. We all have a story. We all have a story. We have versions of our story that we tell ourselves. We have versions of our story that we tell other people. But I'm here to tell you this morning that sometimes it's hard to see how your story can be significant when everything else is calling your name. But the primary voice that you listen to is incredibly important. In our series this summer, we've heard from 
a wide variety of people, men, women, different races, new Canadians, people who have been here for generations, different socioeconomic, different generations. And there's been a theme that has flowed through all of their stories about how they came to a moment where God interrupted their story and forever altered their destiny. And in this series, it's been my hope that when you've listened to the ups and downs and the ins and outs, you might react and be inspired by it. But I know that some have reacted and been, if I had their life, then mine could be better. If I had what they've had and the opportunities and the doors open and the way that things have broken down for them and come back together, then I, I, could, I could have a good story too. But my hope is that you would be inspired to believe God for something fresh and new in your story. That you would be inspired to and be encouraged by what God has done in somebody else's life, he can do in yours. That no matter where your story's at, no matter whether it feels like it's been paused or somebody has ripped out some pages that you thought should be there, no matter if someone spilled coffee on the story of your life and it's been a place where you feel like it's not reflecting what you wish it would, there's hope for every one of us this morning. And in this natural change of seasons that we're entering, it's, it's a good time to step back and say, is my life, the story of my life, reflecting all that I want it to? Is the story of my life reflecting what God would have it? Is the story of my life moving in significance and purpose? I didn't say easy. I said, is it moving in the direction that I was created for? Am I having the influence and the impact and the significance and moving that way in the way that God would have for my life. And I was thinking of all those different perspectives when I read a verse this summer about that, I, that came to be our primary verse this morning. It's Romans 1 and 1. One verse. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Romans 1, 1 is a book in the New Testament. Paul, uh, just like he says there, he's a servant of Jesus. Uh, he was an incredible... Uh, writer, pro prolific writer of the New Testament, wrote nearly two-thirds of it. He started uh, anywhere between 14 and, and almost innumerable numbers of churches in, the, in the Asia and in the Middle East. He was a powerful force 2,000 years ago in advancing Christianity. Uh, but he had been through incredibly painful things. He had been persecuted, shipwrecked, beaten, lied, uh, stoned and not stoned like Canada stone, stoned with rocks. Uh, life had been not been easy, but he had been a life of significance, and his story was incredibly uh, powerful and is still impacting cultures today. But when we look at that snapshot of Paul and a servant of Jesus called to be an apostle, this amazing uh, position and purpose in God and set apart to do incredible things, and we look at that moment and we say, wow. That's so good. But the rest of the story isn't contained in that verse. And Paul, we have a snapshot of Paul's story, but we don't see the entire movie in this verse. Because the story of Paul begins in the book of Acts, which is, a, is the book right before that, which is the story of the early history of the church. And in chapter 7, and near the end of it, there was um, a man of God who was being killed because of what he believed he was being stoned with rocks, and, and they were murdering him for what he believed, and all around him and was, were people who were doing that, and it says that Paul stood there giving approval to killing him. He was an accomplice in a murder, 
And then a the little while later in the beginning of chapter 9, it says this about Paul. And before he was named Paul, he was named Saul. It says that he was full of angry threats and rage. He wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to the priest and asked authorization so he could go to Damascus requesting cooperation to find anybody who was a follower of the way because he wanted to capture them, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners. Angry, threatening, murderous, accomplice in murder, hateful, intolerant, out of control, everything. This is a madman on a mission. That's the part of his story that's not contained in that verse. And that's what gives incredible hope to every one of us when we think about our story, when you think about your story, that no matter where you're at right now, that there is hope for where we're at. Because if God can do it for Paul, if God can do it for all the people we talked about this summer, God can do it for you. That you are not too far gone, that your issues are not too great, that your pain is not too uh, potent, that God has not overlooked you, that God sees you. You can be a victor in the middle of your situation because if God did it for this man, incredibly turned around and transformed his life, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. His story's a mess in this moment in Acts chapter 9. But don't let a difficult or a painful snapshot moment or even a bad chapter in your story determine the rest of your story. You can decide today that my life and my story is going to be different. That no matter if there's been bad chapters, they're not going to define my future. No matter if I've had a bad season, a bad a whole section that I wish wasn't there because of Jesus, that my future can look different. That I do not have to be simply a product of my past. That because of Jesus, there's a bright future for me. Because of Jesus, there's hope. Because of Jesus, God can turn things around for my life. If I was listening to you, to me right now, I would have said amen right now. Because I need to believe that that's true for my life. No matter where I'm at, no matter if I'm on a mountaintop, no matter if I'm in the depths of despair or somewhere in between, God is about transforming lives and taking stories from a mess and doing something with them that sets them onto a path that says that you were once in this place murdering people, chasing people down, and God moves you along from being a persecutor to being a pastor. That Paul is now a servant of Jesus Christ who he once persecuted. Why not you? Why not you? In chapter 9 of that book, what happened to Saul to turn his story around? It's incredibly important because if God did it for him, he can do it for you. Somebody say, he can do it for me. He can do it for me. A call came to interrupt the story of Saul. Called. Somebody say, called. In chapter 9, Saul was on his way. Saul also called Paul to murder people on his way. And the Bible says in chapter 9 of Acts that a bright light and a loud voice came from heaven and, and Saul fell to his knees and Jesus said, the voice came and said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And that moment turned around his life. There's a whole set of circumstances that happened that someone spoke hope and destiny into him. Someone took a risk and believed in him and, and prayed for him and God began to alter his life and God called him in that moment and everything changed but when God called Saul had to choose whether he would hit decline 
and move on, or we would pick up the phone and answer. Metaphorically speaking, of course. Then, but God sent someone and transformed a persecutor into a pastor, went from hurting people to helping people. His life was changed. His story was changed by answering God's call. Everything changed. And we pick it up in Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And here's our point this morning, that your history does not have to determine your destiny if you will allow God to interrupt your story. Your history does not have to determine your destiny if, if you will allow God to interrupt your story. God has always been calling men and women back to himself. He's always in about uh, being, uh, reaching out to man and, and going after us. It's not because we were so good that, that Jesus said, oh, I guess I can save them. The Bible says that while we were uh, yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, we wanted nothing to do with him. We sang about it this morning. His hand reached out to us. One of the most powerful pictures in the Bible is in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. It talks about the beginnings. And man, Adam and Eve were created, and they were created perfect without sin, and, but they did sin. And the first thing that they did was they hid. And the Bible says that God came, and the first question in the Bible was, where are you? Adam, where are you? Because when we blow it, the first thing we do is hide. When we blow it, the first thing God does is look. He came looking. You know why we hide? We're ashamed. When we had little kids, we had one of our kids, I won't name one, which one, but when you're potty training, sometimes it's a challenge. Because some of them will, when it's getting time to do what they do, will go and hide behind a couch or something. And suddenly you're like, what is that smell? It's true. If you've ever potty trained a child, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, what is that smell? And then you're like, where is she? And then you just follow your nose and you will find them because she's ashamed of the mess she made. But what a good parent does is goes and finds them and cleans them and helps to train them so that they can stop making messes. And a good God, when we blow it, doesn't go looking for us because he's looking to just punish. He's actually looking to restore. There used to be this song when I was in Sunday school, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. When I saw the, when I thought of some eyes looking down in love, I wasn't thinking love. I was like, he's looking down all right. He's going to vaporize me. So I'm going to like hide from anything right now. And I think that's often the perspective that we have. We hide and we miss out on the healing. When if we will come out, listen to the call of wherever we're at, and say, I'll go, I'll respond to the call, then God can heal. Because whatever God wants to reveal, it's only so that he can heal. That's who God is. The first question is, where are you? We're called. God's calling you to a story of purpose. God's calling you to a story of hope. 
God's calling you to a life of meaning and impact. The first thing that we're called to is new life. The first call that goes out in the Bible is to surrender our lives to God. That's the starting point of a brand new life. The Bible says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. In a moment, everything changes from the inside out. And then from the inside, your life begins to change. And God begins to work through your life from the inside out. It's not a self-help thing. It's a, I can't do anything, and God begins to help me from the inside out. And I love what the Bible says in Isaiah 41 and 9. It says, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you're my servant. I've chosen you. I've not rejected you. I have chosen you and not rejected you. From the ends of the earth, no matter how far you feel from God today, he's calling where are you? I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want to set you on the path that I designed for your life. I want you to begin to live a life of purpose and meaning and impact and transformation and that God would move through your life. Where are you? I'm calling you. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. No matter how far we feel from God, feelings are just feelings. They're not facts. They're feelings. That's all they are. The facts are, from the farthest corner, he has called you. From the farthest corner, he says, I, you are my servant. From the farthest corner, he's saying, I have chosen you. From the farthest corner, I have accepted you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. And, and let me tell you this. This is not a message for just for people who, who are, have not made a decision to follow Jesus. It's for every man, every woman that is hearing my voice right now, that every person never can lose the the revelation that the grace of God reached out to me and the grace of God called me and the grace of God restored me and the grace of God brought blessing in my life and the grace of God and the grace of God and the grace of God. Every day I wake up and I say, oh God, great is your faithfulness. I need your mercies that are new every morning because I can't do this by myself. But somehow we get into a place where we think that I, God, God comes in and saves us and then we're like, I got it from here, God. I just needed to deal with the hell thing. I don't want to go there. So I got it from here. But our life will not have the meaning and purpose, the fulfillment, the depth, the, the future that God intended for if we begin in grace and walk in works. We begin in grace, the power of God that's working in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And God begins to transform me on the inside. I begin to talk a little different. I begin to walk a little different. What I watch begins to change. The way that I treat people begins to change. I begin to be a little kinder. I begin to be a little gentler. I begin to be a little bit more loving. And day by day, he's changing and transforming me. It's not an end game. It's the beginning of what God is doing in and through you. He calls us out of the pain of our past into the promise of our future. He calls you out of disappointment into a fresh appointment. He's calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's calling us out of failure into significance. He's calling us out of anxiety into peace. He's calling us out of selfishness into purpose. He doesn't call you because you have it all together. He calls you because he wants to heal. He's calling. Where are you? Because I want to make your mess into a message. I want to bring hope into the place of where you're at right now now. 
You might have said a prayer one time, even walked with God for a while, but that you know that other things have been calling and you've been answering the call of work and you've been answering the call of the bottle and you've been answering the call of, of illicit sex and you've been answering the call of pornography and you've been answering the call of all kinds of things. And today is a fresh day to say, today God's calling you. He's calling you to your purpose. He's calling you with hope. He's calling you, where are you? Where are you? Because I want to heal you and set you on the path that you were designed for. It's time to pick up the call. Your history does not have to determine your destiny if you will allow God to interrupt your story. You see, God never intended life to end at salvation. He intended it to really begin. You're called to a new life. You're called to a new purpose. Paul was called to be an apostle for God. doesn't mean that we all are. It just means we're all called to something. Everybody's been given a gift. Everybody's been given a purpose. Everybody has been called by God to be part of this wonderful tapestry called the church that together when we serve shoulder to shoulder, we make an impact. When we give and serve and help our community in our adopted school, then impact is made. When you do your part and I do my part, then suddenly power things start to happen. When we start to sacrifice and serve together, God begins to move. When you begin to teach when you need to teach, when you begin to open your home with kindness and love somebody, back to wholeness, when you begin to pour out encouragement on somebody and use what God's given you, that's, what the, that's when our best life is begin to found, be found. When you answer the call of God to you, he releases new life in you so that life can flow through you. It's not what you do with what you have. Or it's not what you have, sorry. It's what you do with what you have that's going to pay off in the end. That's Murray Nichols, who has been in our, was in our church for decades, um, was my Bible college professor, and recently passed away. But this is one of the sayings that stuck with me. It's not what you have. Because some of us say, I don't have anything. We all have been gifted by God with something. And with we, if we begin to use what God's given us, God begins to work in us, and it begins to grow. And we begin to grow. It's what you do with what you have that's going to pay off in the end. Good intentions don't do anything. Actions do. And as we begin to say, God, you're calling me to a new purpose, calling me to move beyond the rat race. You're calling me to move beyond just getting by. You're calling me beyond just living life at way far less than I was called to live. The world needs us to get it. God is transforming you and your story so that you can be an agent at a an ambassador of transformation, that what God has done in you, he can do in someone else, that that's the call of the gospel. It will look different for every one of us. Someone says, I think it's Andy Stanley, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone because there's an overwhelming so many things to do, but do for one. Look at your neighbor. Look at the person next to you. Look at the, the person who works in the cubicle over you and say, God, help me to reach them. Help me to be used by you for them, Lord, because I, I know that God is waiting to write on the pages of your story. Will you allow God to interrupt your story? Because your history does not have to determine your destiny if you allow God to interrupt your story like Saul was. Finally, you're set apart and called to a new path. Set apart, it says, set apart for the gospel. Set apart carries, carries the meaning of moving something, somebody from one place or a thing from one place and setting it apart for a special purpose. It's set apart, you'll hear this phrase in the Bible, set apart from his mother's womb. So in other words, from the place of birth there, 
eventually they're going to be set apart for a special purpose. We can set apart, uh, you can be working with all kinds of things, and you set that one, I'm going to set apart for something special. And that's how God has looked at you. He says, I'm setting you apart. I have to take you from something and set you over here for a new future and a new purpose. And I'm going to set you apart from a boundary line, it says, set apart from a boundary to a new place. Some of us are hemmed in by fear. Some of us are hemmed in by old ways of thinking. Some of us are hemmed in by friends that no longer help you to move forward. Some of us are hemmed in by, by trauma. Some of us are hemmed in by all kinds of things that are, keep calling. But God is sovereignly beginning to move you and set you apart for a new future. That you are not that. That happened to you, but that is not you. And there's a future that God wants to write for you, a new and a fresh destiny. Don't let a place of a setback become a place that you settle into. And the flip side of that is, don't let a place of success in one season become settling in the next season. Answer the call. If God is going to set you apart for something new, you can't live in something old. Old ways of thinking have to go. Old patterns of apathy have to go. Old ways of unforgiveness have to go. Whatever you need to be separated from, God's going to separate you. And Don't anybody come to me and say, oh, Pastor, I think I need to be separated from my wife. Don't say that. It's not what we're talking about. I have to say stuff like that because I've heard stuff like that, just so you know. It's funny, but it's true. What God does have to set us apart from is sometimes... this part of our story that's destroyed any hope in us that our story could be different. Sometimes he has to separate you from some deep pain. Sometimes he has to separate you from lies that you've believed. Sometimes he has to separate you from opinions that you think about yourself. And you can't do it by yourself. It's God who begins to work in you. Sometimes the greatest enemy of a bright tomorrow is a successful present. See, here's the thing. If you dwell in the past, that's where you will live. But your best life, the life that God has for you, the life of impact, a life of an incredible story that God wants to move in your life, is found when you answer the call, when you allow it to interrupt your story. Your history does not have to determine your destiny if you will allow God to interrupt your story. And I'm, I'm, I'm calling and asking for all of us in this season of changing of natural seasons to say, God, what would you want to shift in my season? As I move into a new season, what, what would hinder me from moving into a new season? A new season of fruitfulness? A new season of life? A new season of advance? A new season where I leave some things behind? For, all, for, for some of us, it's going to be salvation. I need to, to give my life to Jesus. And we're going to give that in a moment. For some of us, it's going to mean leaving and being set apart from some disappointment. Where disappointment has been allowed to shrink your faith into a little box. For some of us, it's going to be being set apart and saying, God, I'm not going to dabble in that anymore. I'm going to allow you to move me into a new place. Because here's what the Bible says. And I think, I think the verse is there, if you can throw it up for that last one. 
that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And it goes on to say, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So in other words, this is what I want you to get, because here's how important this is. There are things that God wants to do in your life that you have no clue of right now. No eye has seen. There are things that God wants to do in your life and through your life that you have not even heard about right now. That's called vision. That's called purpose. There are things that you have that have not even crossed your mind that God sees in your future. And the way to see them is to allow God to interrupt your story. To say yes when the phone rings, so to speak. The way to hear them is to say yes, God, you can interrupt my story. The way to have and think the thoughts that God is thinking about you and for you is to stop and let him interrupt your story. I think it's one of the, I use this word advisedly, but the curses of our age is the pace. Move, 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 move. Go, 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 go. Because the enemy will do everything and life will do everything it can to keep you running. Because if you will stop and allow God to interrupt your story, you're going to hear things that God wants to speak to your life that are going to literally change your life, change your marriage. You've been looking for answers for certain things, and you're looking for them in the wind and in the running, and all kinds of things are calling you, saying this is the way to solve that issue. God has the answer. And literally, I mean that. Not a pipe dream. We believe that there's a God who is alive and present, speaks to people in lining with the Bible, but helps to lead your life. This, this next season in our church, we're going to be going into a season of prayer and the importance of it and flowing it from that into a series on the Holy Spirit. and That all of us would see our story, that you would see your story in, with fresh eyes. That perhaps that you would give space for God to speak something new for you. We can, I don't know about you, but it's easy to just get into routine. Some of us are, some of us love routine, some of us hate routine. It's not the point. But sometimes routine can run you where God never intended. Routine is, routine is sometimes just a rut that you get in. And I'm here this morning to kind of shake you a little bit to say, as God said, where are you? in this season. Where are you? What would God have for you? What would he dream for your life? What would he write on the pages of your story? What incredible stories would he want to write for you and through you? What healing would he want to write and say, I was this, but God did this. What miracles would he want to do through your life? What restoration would he want to do through your life? Because he's not just a God up there. He's a God here. He's alive. He's present. He's God with us. I invite you to stand and we're going to respond. First way we're going to respond is we always, always, always will have a call to, to surrender our life to Jesus. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for privacy, no other reason than that. If you're here and you say, with every head bowed, every eye closed, give privacy to the people around you, please. 
say, I need to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of my life. I hear the call this morning. I need to make him the forgiver and leader of my life. Just put your hand up. We're not going to bring you down the front. We're going to pray for you right from where you are. Just throw your hand up and leave it up for a moment. We're going to pray for you. You say, I need to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of my life. Yes, yes. Yes. Down the middle, anyone? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, I see that hand in the back. Six, seven hands around the room. This is, I'm going to take a moment of explanation. All this means is everything. Everything changes from this moment. This is an important moment. So if you're here, please don't let anybody be moving or we're going to let you go in just a couple of moments. But it's simply this. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. It's as simple as ABC. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. A, B, I believe that Jesus is the way, that he's the forgiver of my sins. And C, I confess my need for him. A, B, C. So I'm just going to ask everyone to pray with me. And if you're praying this prayer for the first time, God is going to do something and begin something in your life. That, that everything begins to change from this moment. Some people will feel something incredible. Some people will feel nothing. The condition of your heart is the important thing. So can I just ask everyone to repeat after me? Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I acknowledge that you are my Savior, that I am a sinner. I need you to forgive my sin. Please forgive me. I believe that you are the Savior, and I surrender my life to you. I invite you to come in and be the forgiver and leader of my life. pray that prayer from your heart. Only God knows your heart. If you pray that prayer from your heart, the Bible says that you've been translated from death to life. You're on one pathway in the story. The story is just taking a U-turn in your life. Right now. Right now. And God is opening new and fresh things for you. And here's what we'd like you to do. You can either tell the person you came with. You saw Daniel up here a little bit earlier, or myself, Pastor Mike, or the Welcome Center, but primarily the best person to tell is the person that you came with. And then failing that, one of us, that we'd love to help you on the next step of your journey. And now here for everybody else in the room, with your head bowed and eye closed, I, I really feel this this morning, is that we're entering into a new season, and it's, and I, you say, well, Pastor, you say that all the time. I, well, maybe. I just feel that God's always about doing something new, and I want to be ready. But, if you know in your own heart in a special way that you're ready for a, a, something fresh in your life, that you're ready to say yes and to God, to interrupt where you're at, whatever that means, God knows it, and he'll show himself to you. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Yeah. You're saying, God, I want you to interrupt my story. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want you to interrupt my story. If you can also, again, I'm just going to make some declarations and ask you to say them after me. If Just join with me, and if you mean it from your heart, I'm believing God's going to do something. I'm stepping into a new season. Say it strong. I'm embracing all that God has for me. I'm letting go of what was.
Set me apart, God. I say yes to your way. Take me into a new season. I'm ready to see things I haven't seen. I'm ready to hear things I haven't heard. I'm ready for fresh ideas. I'm ready for a fresh perspective. I'm ready for a new day. Make me willing. Make me willing. I need you. I need you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. All right. We have Grow Track right after 13 minutes or so. Follow the signs if you're new to the church and you'd like to hear more about it, or you just want free lunch, I suppose there's that too, but we have a limit on that. But uh, find your purpose. And over the next number of weeks, I don't know, I feel like this is a, a transitional sermon to take us from where we've been to into a new season, and uh, it's going to be amazing. There's going to be some things that are going to surprise you that have not entered into your mind. I believe that. God bless you as you go.